Welcome to the PolicyNet podcast by the UNESCO Inclusive Policy Lab. This is the place where top thinkers come to talk data and solutions that would reset us along a more equitable and smart path. Today we talk about data value, continuing our debates on how such value can be captured and redistributed. Our expert today is Maria Savona. She is professor at both University of Sussex and Louis University in Rome. Her expertise lies in economics of innovation, employment and wage inequality, and economics of data value. These are all key to our conversation today, and we're very happy to have Maria with us. Maria, welcome. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm Inesco's Yulia Shepchuk, and I'm your host here. Maria, let's dive right in. Could you please frame this discussion for us by unpacking your take on data, its peculiarities compared to other goods, and importantly, its value? Let's start with what we mean by data. So there's a first big distinction between personal data and non-personal data. According to the OECD, data can be used multiple times in different contexts without inherently diminishing their value. So basically what characterizes data is something that can be exploited and re-exploited infinitely at low marginal cost. So this is something that distinguishes data from other types of investment. Now, the way I frame it usually is from the perspective of what I call data value chain, starting from personal data, actually, and the first phase of raw data generation. Each of us is a data subject and a data generator. So in general, at the stage of raw data generation, data is considered a public good or something that can be shared without much problem. There's a second stage, which is related to collection and storage. And this is usually carried out either by firms or by public actors. And this particular stage requires investments. Data collected can be excluded from the use of other people and is rival in, in this sense from an economic perspective. Now, what really represents the valuable stage of the data value chain is data analytics something that is inherently, again, a public good because it's knowledge. Now, if we frame it this way, then we found ourselves in a sort of policy conundrum. So because basically we have different questions that can be posed. So firms can collect, aggregate and own database. So there is property rights recognized to actors that collect and use data. However, this sort of property right, or when I call it intellectual property rights, is not usually granted to individuals who are trying to protect their own individual digital footprint. So a first question is, do we have a sort of fallacy of division in this sense? The second question is that if we use these property rights or intellectual property rights for individual firms, then is this compatible with this public purpose of facilitating data sharing? which is all we want when it comes to, for example, to pursue um, objectives that are of public purposes like health or research. So in a word, what are the individual rights that are able to create and facilitate these incentives to share? Finally, what I would like to raise in here is that if we are able indeed to create incentives to data sharing, then how can we 
keep maintaining and protecting privacy, which is also a very fundamental individual right. So in other words, there's a sort of three-dimensional objectives here that cannot be usually aligned. So this is something that is important to keep in mind when we talk about data value. So there is a, a data value that is inherently related to private actors, and we all know how large platforms and big tech extract value from individual data. And there's also a matter of creating social value from this data, so to maximize the incentives of individuals to share this data. This is something that is at the core of the problems of data governance. And the way I frame it is exactly this way. So I was talking about data is capital because firms recognize property rights on data considered as their investment in intangible capital. And on the other hand, individuals are left with less agency and control over their own data. That's why I try to propose something that could rebalance this by giving individuals more agency over their own data. Maria, giving such intricacies, are we good at capturing comprehensively the value of data? Are there any policy frameworks you think come close to doing a good job? Uh, and what are the loopholes you see in those? What's interesting in this context is how the EU Data Governance Act has tackled these issues. Basically, what the Data Governance Act is trying to foster the availability of data for use by increasing trust in data intermediaries. So this is a, a central core actor that the European framework is introducing. So basically a sort of intermediate layer of governance between the individual and actors such as large platforms or even public administration. Now, the idea is to strengthen trust in data and facilitate this data sharing that I was mentioning earlier. So ideally, the Data Governance Act wants to strengthen data sharing mechanisms and making public sector data available for reuse. Let's look at it from an economist perspective. And ideally, the way I see it, the EU Data Governance Act aims to address what is called a typical market failure, which is the absence of data markets. The Data Governance Act is trying to facilitate the data sharing between individuals and data intermediaries, and therefore trying to create a transparent ecosystem of data flows in the European context. This is all good. This is actually a welcome steps ahead. But I have a few questions that I think is worth raising in this context. What are the incentives of these data intermediaries and whether these incentives are actually compatible with the aim of increasing trust and compatible with altruism? In other words, what kind of nature these intermediaries are of? Uh, non-profit, for-profit? The other issue is an issue of scale. What is their minimum scale to achieve these objectives? If we think, for example, of a very fragmented and rich markets of data intermediaries, what is their minimum scale for making the altruistic use of data meaningful? And on the other hand, if we think about uh, data value concentration, which is also one of the concerns uh, around, for example, large tech, 
Then we want to ask what is the safe maximum scale of these intermediaries? How can we avoid that these data intermediaries then end up extracting value along the same lines that has been happening, for example, with large platforms? And we know that this can happen for the very economic nature of data. So there's a lot of uh, network signality when it comes to data collection and data value concentration. So ideally, we would like to avoid this kind of scenario. And then an overarching issue for this is that the creation of this safe data market, so allowing individuals to choose their data intermediaries, requires at the very minimum that individuals are able to delegate some of their rights over their own data to these subjects. You mentioned a lot trust, altruistic use and reuse of data, social value of data and the sharing of such. Do I take it correctly that you see these regulatory frameworks making strides towards capturing and sharing more social value of data, but not necessarily doing it in terms of monetary value of data? Yes, I mean, I think the Data Governance Act is aimed at increasing trust for sharing uh, for altruistic purposes. That's, I think, is the main spirit of this regulatory framework. When you say altruistic, you refer to social use of data, to social value of data. Yes, the way the Data Governance Act defines is a context that allows data use and reuse on altruistic grounds. Now, the way you take is altruistic grounds is basically sharing data for purposes that are inherently increasing social value. Now, obviously, people with different backgrounds, like with low backgrounds, can have uh, more expertise for interpreting these regulations, but this is the way that the DGA is aiming. It is important to understand how this is achieved. Also, for example, when it comes to measuring innovation investment in firms, it is taken for granted that whatever investment firms do that are relatively or even tangentially have to do with innovation, they're considered as intangible capital. And I think this is that highly questionable because intangible items are very different and therefore cannot be considered all the same. For example, the investment in research and development or investment in design or only human capital and so on. These are all so-called intangible capital items that are very different, for example, from uh, investing in data, particularly in the current context of such a pervasive digitalization of production processes, for instance. We need to rethink all this. The overarching framework to use is keeping in mind that this all should be seen from a political economy perspective rather than simply a sort of measuring perspective, if you want. We want to be sure that from the policy perspective, data use and reuse are actually for public purpose ultimately to increase social value. And therefore, this, we need probably to reframe the traditional policies, something that it doesn't squarely fit with any of the two. Earlier in our discussion, but also in some of your works, you touch upon generation of data as a form of employment. Do you see it as such? This is also quite controversial. I've read articles based on the idea that generating data is going to be the future of work. I'm not particularly aligned with this view that you should remunerate work in terms of generation of data. It's something that I think requires a lot more research 
in the sense that we really need to rethink the whole theory of value within the current digitalized labor market. I think we need more research on that. But yes, the way I frame it when I wrote this article was to counterpose data as an intangible capital asset versus data as a new form of work versus, again, data for which we would need or we could be granting intellectual property rights. It was more of a rhetorical device. Staying focused at this level, what is your take on paying individuals for their data? It is a popular and somehow populistic idea, but do you think it would hold water in real life or you don't think it's the way to go? I don't think it would be the way to go. We need to reflect much more on this. Considering data as an intangible asset, if you want, from the capital perspective, it's fortunately or unfortunately much more advanced as a thing. Since we talk about data value and its concentration, let's go beyond national boundaries and talk about inter-country, global south, global north dynamic. Do you see the current trends in data driving global inequalities even further? And what are the areas you think we should be focusing and concerning ourselves with right now? I don't think there is something very specific to data here, except the reproducing the well-known global inequality. There's not something that is inherently related to data. But in this context, I think what is really, really worth thinking about is how we conceptualize, how we measure and how we regulate, for example, digital trade. And that's something that requires a huge amount of research. So there are people now reflecting on this. I think it's extremely important to do it. And I think uh, regulating digital trade is something that ideally could help addressing these gaps. Let's move to the second thread in our conversation, and that relates to COVID. So we talked about uh, data access, about data governance, about data value, uh, distribution of such value. Many argue that COVID has changed a lot in these and other areas, but especially when it comes to data. What is your take on this? What has COVID changed? And do you think this would be a lasting impact or will be go back to normal? It seems to be fading away because of the different stage of the pandemics. And this is something that at the very beginning was particularly important. There has been a few months of reflection on this that I think have been really healthy in the sense that people were forced to think about the use of digital technologies within a context of emergency. At the beginning of 2020, when everything was happening, then we had the aim of maximizing the speed of tracing of uh, contagion for public health issues. And I think the use and development of this particular application of digital technology has been a very good example of how we should keep attention high. Because ideally, even in emergency, even in a health emergency, it is important that the sort of response should be effective, accurate and proportional. In fact, colleagues have been writing about this at the moment of uh, when contact tracing apps became very popular. For example, what I've been reflecting upon is that the use of this contact tracing apps in many countries where these have been developed and used have been basically supported and underpinned by the infrastructure of Google and Apple. 
And from a non-techie perspective and an economist perspective, what when they entered this debate and this market, I got very concerned because in the end, Google and Apple are basically sitting on a huge amount of data by uh, supporting this particular infrastructure. And in fact, at the very beginning, nobody really questioned that for the simple reason that they supported the decentralized version, the so-called DP3T protocol, which was the solution that would maintain privacy because they would maintain data in, in people's smartphones. However, it's true that Technically speaking, they couldn't reuse this data, but it is a matter of uh, extending their exclusive presence in an area that was relatively untouched. And now, obviously, this has been increasing. COVID had an impact because it created an emergency and it forced people to think about the use of data in an emergency context. And I think it is important that actually we keep reflecting on individual rights on data and increasing trust and trustworthiness, as I said, even in a context of emergency. And this is something that probably will spark more reflections on this, and I, and I hope so. Let's move to the last and probably most hands-on uh, part of this conversation. So here at the UNESCO Inclusive Policy Lab, our focus is on uh, building the nexus and the bridge between knowledge and policy. And we have these two stakeholder communities, knowledge producers and policymakers, following us and listening to these podcasts. Let's end the conversation with recommendations fast to the knowledge communities. What do you think are the critical knowledge gaps where the researchers and the knowledge producers should focus on and dig deeper into when it comes to data value. I think this gives me an opportunity to highlight one of the areas that I mostly believe in, which is supporting interdisciplinarity. So I think there's a lot of knowledge which dig deep in that, digs very deep into silos types of knowledge. So there are the techies, there are the lawyers, there are the sociologists, there are the economists and so on. I think data governance and trying to understand data value from whatever perspective it is, from the perspective of private value concentration, from the perspective of maximizing social value, from the perspective of policymaking, this is something that is extremely complex and requires these silos to be eliminated. So what I'm advocating here is really let's come all together and reflect all together by actually giving our own expertise of our own disciplinary expertise to create the complexity of knowledge that this particular problem requires. And this is something that I've seen in action, particularly in uh, where I come from, in, in Science Policy Research Unit at the University of Sussex, as well in, uh, in my current affiliation as well. This is something that is extremely valuable. So rather than identifying specific knowledge gaps, which in fact I did in what I've said so far, I think it's important to understand how to tackle them and how to tackle them would mean would require much more interdisciplinary and multidisciplinary effort than what is actually deployed so far. So what I'm hoping is that more and more interdisciplinary research is devoted to this particular area. And I think it's much needed. 
If you are to crystallize uh, one, two recommendations to policymakers and practitioners on data value and the redistribution of data value, what would those be? What do you think they should be prioritizing and tackling now? I think that the EU Data Governance Act is a good step in this because it at least shows that there is a lot of awareness of the sort of imbalances that are affecting the relationship between individuals, citizen, workers, and individual data generators, and those that gather this data from the big platforms to large public administration. I think it's important to reimagine this relationship, and I think it's important to give individuals the opportunity to choose I think one of the most basic things that could be addressed is digital literacy. I think we are very far from uh, achieving this objective. And I think this is one of the most important things that we should be tackling. Maria, we reached the end of this podcast. It was a pleasure having you here today with us and we hope you come back again. It was a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for the invitation. Thank you so much. To our listeners, thanks for being with us today. For more, follow the PolicyNet podcast on all major platforms.